New York. I have a lot of reasons to love you. And oh, I have a lot of reasons to hate you. But you know what the most magical thing about you is? It's that you simply don't care what anyone thinks. And no matter how many tourists visit complaining of the smell or the sound or the rats, you are always true to you. And what an absolutely beautiful thing that is. As humans, I feel we constantly have the entire world telling us who we should be, how we should dress, or what we should pay attention to. So thank you, New York, for always remaining constant and reminding us that this place can be about welcoming us exactly as we are. Today's guest embodies this New York City staple, staying true to herself and radiating the confidence the city is made from, reminding us to do the same. Hello, New Yorkers, New York City lovers, and big fans of Honest Human Connection. I'm your host, Anitza, and welcome to Known in New York, where we cut through the rind of the Big Apple and look at the true soul of the city, you. What you can expect here is soulful, honest conversation, infectious laughter, and the inspiring reminder that who you are is more than enough. Alyssa, what is the number one thing you want to be known for? <laughs> Fresh is the Upper East Side, duh. That's an easy answer. <laughs> that answer probably would have been very different a year or two ago, but at this point in my life, Frenchies of Upper East Side. Like, I love when people see me on the street and they try to tell me about it, and I'm like, no, 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 I started it. So that was, like, my little claim to fame is people know that I'm, like, the owner of that group now, so that's what I want to be known for. Okay, so for all of your listeners who don't know what Frenchies of the Upper East Side is, please tell us. It's literally what it sounds like. So, obviously, a lot of us got pandemic puppies, me one of them. My Frenchie is my child. His name is Guido. I realized I was just meeting so many different people on the streets and like trying to exchange Instagrams and we tried to set up playdates. And then I kind of had the realization of why don't we just get everybody together in an easier way? Like if I'm this way and feeling this way, then a lot of other Frenchie parents are too. So we started just like word of mouth, started an Instagram page. And now I have bi-weekly meetups, almost a thousand followers on Instagram. We have anywhere from like 30 to 40 Frenchies at a given meetup. Um, and it's just adorable chaos adorable chaos (laughs) and yes to everyone listening that little huff in the background was said Frenchie Guido so if someone wants to follow one Guido on Instagram and find out more about Frenchies of Upper East Side where can they go? So on Instagram, you can follow Guido at Guido underscore the Italian Frenchie or Frenchies of Upper East Side is at Frenchies of UES. And so why the name Guido? It was a joke that went too far. (laughs) I wanted a Frenchie for like the longest time. And I originally thought that his name would be Merlot. I was like, he's gonna be so cute and classy and wear bow ties. But then when push came to shove, my parents actually ended up picking him up and had him for a few days before I got to California where I got him. And so it was a joke. My dad was like, he's not going to be named Merlot. He's going to wear a chain. I'm going to call him Guido. He's going to be such a like little mafia man. And I was like, no, no, no. His name is Merlot. Lo and behold, I met him and I was like, oh, you're right. You're not a Merlot. You are not classy enough for that. So then I picked 
three top names and put them on a piece of paper. And I let now Guido go and whichever piece of paper he picked up was his name. And it was Guido. So there he is. I mean, I think it's the most fitting name for him. Oh, now. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I can't imagine him with any other name. No, absolutely not. So what about having a dog now did you not know like when you were planning to get a dog. Oh my God. I thought I was so prepared. I thought that I read every article, knew every ailment he could possibly have. I knew every training cue. I was ready. It also helped that my grandma trained dogs for 50 years of her life. So I had a lot of knowledge kind of like baked in there. Oh God. When he got back to my apartment, I was not ready. There was nothing that could prepare me for that little (laughs) gremlin that came into my apartment. He was tearing up his pee pads. He was shitting in his crate. I, oh my God. I overcame all squeamishness. Um, I didn't sleep for about six months and I realized that everything people say about Frenchies having a lot of like issues, allergies, I thought I was prepared once again. No, it's so much different when it's actually in real life. But also people aren't kidding when they say that they make the best friends and like just having him to come home to and snuggle and do all the things with makes my life now. So I couldn't ever think of anything different to do with it. Ah, so for everyone who doesn't know Alyssa listening to this podcast, pre-Guido, so PG, pre-Guido, Alyssa was not a touchy-feely person, and (laughs) Alyssa was the farthest thing, and if you know me as a human, you know I am the, like, definition of, like, cuddle, touchy-feely human, so Alyssa and I, in a lot of ways, but um, in this very specific way, are opposites, and I don't think that's the case anymore. Okay, so we've had this discussion before, too, though, is... I asked my parents, they used to call me mushy growing up because like I was such a gushy human. I don't know where in my life that changed. We can say that like that was New York hardening me or like (laughs) giving me an edge. I don't know. But a lot of my friends that met me either in my college or my work years in the past, let's say five to eight, have such a different impression, which I still think is very interesting. And I think it was partially me like creating this persona for myself of where's all black like is edgy like knows the city like that kind of vibe um so I don't know if that's where the not touchy feeling came in but yes Guido now gets all of my baby voices out he gets my snuggles I said he wasn't gonna be allowed on the couch that lasted for about two months so yes there's been a little bit of a pivot there uh, I've told you this before and I'll tell you again it warms my heart to be yeah. mushy <laughs> <laughs> I haven't made that noise in a very long time, but here we um, are. You're right. One of Alyssa's favorite things pre-Guido <laughs> was to, like, gag yeah. anything. <laughs> it sounds so bad when you, like, relay it to people that weren't there to hear it. So, yeah. It wasn't bad. It was a part of your personal brand. Again, yeah. sunglasses, <laughs> the all black, the throwing up gagging noises <laughs> to, like, anything that had to do with, like, Words of affirmation. Okay, that one I'm still working on, though. Hey, we're all working on yeah, something. for sure. Oh, <laughs> he doesn't like that he's not getting attention. That's my boy. That's my baby. <laughs> so how are you and Guido alike? Oh, my God. Well, there's that saying of, like, the dog is like the human. Um, we definitely proved that point. He's needy for attention 24-7. He always likes to be the cir- center of everything. So, yeah, that goes hand in hand a little bit. He also, like, 
He loves being around people, but let's say when we go to the dog park, he loves going. He'll sprint there. But when we're there, he's kind of like, all right, I just want to play with my ball. I just want to like pay attention to a couple humans. And I feel like that's kind of like me. Like I love being around a big group of people. I thrive in like high energy environments. But at the end of the day, like I'm probably just going to hang out or like get deep with those few people. Um, So I think that's a Guido vibe. Oh, also, he has, like, a million food allergies, which, God, that's my life, too. (laughs) So, speaking of your food allergies, Guido's food allergies, right now you're finishing up a nutrition plan and have definitely one of those interesting relationships with food. Tell us more about it. Probably, like, a lot of people have. I've gone through so many of the different fad diets. I've tried the Whole30. I have had my share of, like harsh relationships with food and alcohol, but I've always done an up and down roller coaster. So I'll be really, really fit, like in the gym five days a week, strength training, lifting weights, PRing on my deadlifts, eating healthy, or I won't go to the gym for two weeks and don't care about eating a piece of pizza and just completely opposite. So a few years ago, two years, three years, I did a food sensitivity test because my dad has a history of gluten intolerance and I was starting to notice some of the same bodily symptoms. So I got a lot of bad migraines. I was constantly feeling like brain foggy. So fast forward, that food sensitivity test came back with everything under their sun. I mean, rice, corn, chicken, beef, you name it. I had some sort of intolerance to it. So I've been living that for the past maybe two years. Sometimes I stick to it and I feel better. Sometimes I don't. So about a month ago, my aunt approached me and she was like, speaking of, so my aunt is more like my second mom. So we're very close, grew up with her. Her kids are literally my second sisters and brothers. And she said, Hey Liz, I have done this program before. Um, and I've the last few times not been successful with it. So I was wondering if you want to be my accountability partner. I think we have a lot of the same kind of eating habits and we both obviously have a sweet tooth. So I just thought if you were interested, let me know. No pressure if not. So I read into it and honestly, at its core, it goes against so many things that I believe in. It's essentially a mix of intermittent fasting and keto. Two things that I really am not a fan of. Um, if you had asked me two months ago, just because since I have such an up and down relationship with food and weight in my body, I find that for me to sustain and maintain a healthy balance, I can't be so restrictive in my diet and my lifestyle. I love to go out. I love having dinners and brunches and going to bars. So for me to sit there and count calories and carbs and macros, it just doesn't work with my lifestyle. And I've seen that happen probably three or four times over again. But nonetheless, I went ahead and did it because let's face it, every can use a little kickstart sometimes. And I am very all or nothing. So once I'm in something, I am dedicated and I go like balls to the walls with it. So that's what I did the past now six weeks. So this program, essentially what it is, it's called Beyond Fasting. It's the comparison of training for a marathon. You're not just going to wake up one day and be like, haha, I'm going to run a marathon. And it's the same mentality of fasting or any cleanse. A lot of people will just say, oh, I'm going to do a two-day fast or a three-day juice cleanse. But your body isn't ready for that. So that's why you gain back all of the weight immediately after. So this, the end goal, rather than being the marathon, was a five-day water fast, which I am just now half coming off of, which sounds insane. But essentially, each week, it gets progressively harder. So you start out with just 
staying under 50 carbs, which is where the keto part comes in, eating half your body weight in protein. And then each week it gets a little bit harder. So then you start incorporating one fast day a week, which sounded awful at the beginning. Now I'm like, oh, I can fast one day. No big deal. Today is actually day four of that five day fast. First two days, pretty easy cake. No big deal. Yesterday started feeling a little daisy, still not terrible. This morning I woke up and was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to pass out any second. I am dizzy. It's time to actually like listen to my body, right? So that's where my all inness kind of wavered a little bit. So today I decided to eat some vegetables and bone broth and I'm glad I did. So now I'm doing a partial fast the last two days and then going to figure out what that maintenance plan looks like for me. Like the entire story of it all is just like fascinating, especially, and I hope you pat yourself on the back yes, because- it's one thing to go all in and then do so at like the detriment of your, to yourself and like do it like, okay, I'm three days in, let me just do two more days of fasting. But like the effects that the, that could have on your body, we don't know. And so the fact that we are able to, or you were able to say, okay, this is what my body needs. And even though it doesn't follow the plan a hundred percent, that's okay because it's what my body needs and like listening totally. to your body. Totally. And you can go back to we, because even though I was the one doing this program, that mindset applies to so many different things, right? Like listen to your body. And I have a lot of great people that I've met in the fitness industry in my life. And that's what at the end of the day, so many people preach big fan of listen to your body. Yes, absolutely. So again, we've talked about your relationship with food, how we don't like to make these restrictive diets. This is not a diet. This is a nutrition plan, Uh but (laughs) I trained her well to say that. <laughs> so well. So well. But a lot of people don't like know where to start, right? Like a lot of people have, myself included, have this like hot, cold relationship with food to get over that and to get to a place of being able to like have this healthy relationship. Is that something you had to work towards? Something that you really had to like put a lot of effort into that has become second nature? Or how did you build this new relationship? Oh, I mean, let's be real. I'm definitely not even there yet. Like I just did a crash course for six weeks. I wouldn't necessarily call that healthy. Um, I think what will be healthy is how I come out of it. And my biggest thing for this time is, like I said, I've gone up and down in weight and my dedication to food, gym so many times. This time around, I really just want to figure out what sustainability looks like for me. And I haven't found that perfect kind of recipe yet. So that's what I'm looking for this time. But I think in my ups and downs that I have faced... The biggest thing that I've realized is it can't be that all or nothing mindset, right? So if you go off the rocker one night, you were at a bar, you got munchies on the way home, you got Taco Bell ordered to your apartment on the way back, (laughs) whatever your kryptonite is, that doesn't mean it ruined everything else you had done up until that point, which is something that I have repeated over and over again of, well, I screwed up once, um, going back to those food allergies. Oh, I ate gluten one day, might as well eat it for the rest of the month. And that's what's really been my demise. So I think the biggest takeaway for anybody that kind of struggles with it is like one day doesn't define all of your goals, all your progress. Stepping on the scale, your weight is going to fluctuate no matter what. Just because you gain two pounds in a week doesn't mean that it negates the last three months of you losing 10 to 20 pounds. Also, side note, I hate using weight as a measure of health because, oh, I could get into it. But (laughs) overall, yes, Going back to listen to your body, like today, in the past, I might not have made that choice to actually break the fast and nutrition 
my body with bone broth and vegetables, but this time I did. And I think that was a step in the right direction. So yeah. And I think like if there was one thing to take away from all of that is like, just because you may fall, like if you're working towards something and you just have an off day, yeah. it doesn't negate everything you've worked towards. Totally. So it's not about like getting it perfect all the time. And it's not about right. not failing in it, but it's about like giving yourself grace and um, like picking yourself back up and getting totally. back on the horse. Totally. I think it's also like you have to look at the big picture. You can't just focus in on, we'll use a different example, one bad day at work. You might love your job 90% of the time. That 10% of a crappy day or your boss being awful, that shouldn't negate your entire opinion or shift your entire mindset just because it's a small portion of the big picture. Oh, wow. God, this is so deep. (laughs) should have known what I was signing up for. You should have known. (laughs) Did you expect anything less? Absolutely not. Okay, so we talked about your passion project of Frenchies on the Upper East Side, Uh but you're also working on another passion project, I would say. So yes, um, one of my really good friends that I actually met through our Frenchies approached me and she is in the fitness industry. So she hates social media. She's like, I'm not good at it. I want nothing to do with it. I don't want to touch it. Whereas I have worked in social media before, um, in the fashion world. I'm in marketing now. So it's second nature to me. I started French Upper East Side with just a single follower on Instagram. Two months ago, I did an entire refresh of her website, her Instagram, her newsletters. So I'm still working with her and Nothing's perfect at first. Um, we're definitely working out some kinks, but it's been really fun. Got to enter the space of like logo design and really brand creation, which I've always kind of had a side job to, never in the weeds with it. And it's been great. Obviously, working with a friend is great for so many reasons because you can bounce ideas off of each other and there's a level of comfortability that you don't get in your probably nine to five. So that's been absolutely amazing. And we get to have fun with it. Like right after this, we're going to go take pictures at the Guggenheim. Like not many jobs actually get to do that or a lot of people get to do that. And we're in New York city and we live five minutes from it. Like those are the moments where I try to step back and be like, Oh wow. I do really love my life. Like I love this city for these exact moments right here. Well, and I called it a passion project because watching you do it, And being your friend, I get to see you come to life in a way that I don't get to see you come to life in other aspects of your day, your nine to five, et cetera. And when I met you, and that's a story. (laughs) Let's get into that. Oh, that story is that Alyssa and I hated each other when we met. Not hated, just didn't love. Continue. But... You were all about, I didn't want to work in tech. I want to work in fashion. I want to do do this. And you had so much passion in life. And not that you don't for your current job now, but just to see you tap into a side that I think had been dormant for the last three or four years and just seeing your creativity come out and you and I bouncing ideas off of each other just, I think, really heightens you as a human being and like heightens our friendship. And so I called it a passion project because to me, it feels more like more passion than you've had for a lot of other things in a long time. Yeah. I think going back to what I envision my life being, um, no, I did not see myself being a quote unquote corporate sellout. I definitely went to NYU with the mindset of, I want to go into the fashion industry. I actually wanted to go to FIT or FITM and my parents said, no, let's try business instead. And like, let's do fashion on the side. 
grateful for them now. But at the time, I was so dead set on it. And luckily, I did get an internship with my current company. Um, and I loved it. My team was amazing. Everybody that I met there was just so above and beyond what I ever expected. And even now, I would say 70% of my closest friends are from work in some way, shape, or form, which is not the norm, I found out. Um, I go to birthdays and see them on weekends more than my college friends a lot of times or other people in my life, just because we do have such a great bond. So yeah, when I got to mesh a world that was outside of my nine to five with we have Frenchies in common. We have a lot in common. Um, it became a passion project. So I guess you're right. So we're going to switch okay. topics a little bit. We're going to talk about... So Alyssa is very, 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 very Italian. <laughs> and If you couldn't tell by the Guido thing. Oh, yeah. If that didn't give it away. So much so that in our like first three or four months of friendship, I said... Oh, my God. I said, oh, I love Ricotta. And Alyssa said, what the hell did you just say? And I said, what, ricotta? Rigotta. Rigotta. So, and she, just for the, like, point, she did the hand motions with it. She just made her hands into a little claw when she said rigotta. So I'm proud. I absolutely, you've taught me well. I will also say we had a very similar exchange around a Hispanic term. Yes. What goes around comes around. It sure <laughs> does. So... Being Italian is such an integral part of who you are, and I feel feel like I've known a decent amount of Italians in my life, but I've never really (laughs) come across someone who loves their heritage as much as you, and you make sauce like once a month, and (laughs) we get to enjoy that. So tell me more about what growing up Italian was like, and how that adds to who you are as a human, and then here in New York. Oh my God. Well, now my Nona can't listen to this because she thinks that I make sauce every week like she does. Um, (laughs) And I wish I could, Nona. I wish I could. But I'm only one person. So I think a lot of my passion comes from obviously my family and more just the traditions that I grew up with. It wasn't something that was like thrown in my face by any means. I'm still mad at my mother to this day that she didn't teach me fluent Italian. But it's just the little things that you don't realize you catch on to until really you're out on your own and you're comparing... And one of the best things about going to NYU was I met so many different people from so many different backgrounds and cultures that I never had in my conservative hometown upbringing. I think that's where my passion for it really came out is being able to share with people that that wasn't the norm. Um, so yes, having pasta on Sundays with my Nona, my uncle, my immediate family every week, that was just my normal weekly schedule from my birth, I'm assuming, until high school. Even my college entrance essay was like breaking down parts of an Italian meal and how it relates to me. So I need it. Oh my God. I need that essay. (laughs) I actually completely forgot about that until this moment, but it got me into most of my dream schools. So guess it was pretty good. And then things like the holidays, I really took for granted being home and having so many traditions instilled in me that I don't necessarily have all the time here. So I make my way down to Little Italy and that's what I'm going to do on Saturday and I'll go get sfogliatelle and cannolis to bring for Easter. And my mom and Nona every year still send me a care package of casadelle and egg cookies, all these things that probably don't make sense to a lot of you. But I think those little things are what make me so passionate about it. And also Italians are just passionate people in general. It makes me feel like I'm still connected to home. So by me doing these little things of making sauce and sharing it with my friends and making them dinner, it brings me back to my family that I'm not with all the time. And I don't think that's something that I ever really 
put together until I was out on my own. Yeah, absolutely. I think something Hispanics and Italians have in common or when we're just passionate people in oh, yeah. general. Um, but we definitely love our heritage mm-hmm. and where we come from and um, are so proud of it. Totally. So you lived in New York City for almost eight years, going to NYU. And now, how have you seen the city stay the same and change? And how has the city continued to shape who you are? Oh my gosh. Well, very different person than when I first moved here, which I think is good. Oh my gosh. I've probably lived like five different lives at this point in my eight years here. Well, started out very different because I was in dorms the first two years. So definitely took for granted that I was literally living in the heart of Greenwich Village and Union Square, something that is very unattainable for a lot of people. I mean, even now. So definitely took that for granted and should have explored more than I did those first two years. But something that I've always loved about the city is just there's energy. So I grew up in a very rural, slow moving town in California. So I knew that was not what I was meant to be, which is why I love New York so much. And I had visited a lot as a child because I have extended family here. But when I decided to actually pull the plug and come to NYU um, and move out on my own to New York City, I knew that it was the right place. When I got here, I just was filled with so much energy that I had never felt before. And I still feel that. Maybe not as much as when I first moved here, but those are those moments where if I'm walking down the street, I just try to stop and like take a look and, oh wow, the Empire State Building is right there on my walk home from work. How cool is that? Like so many people that I grew up with will respond to my stories or reach out and just say like, I'm living vicariously through you. And I don't realize sometimes that I'm still living my dream. Like coming to New York City was such a fantasy for me the longest time. And now that I'm here, it's just become my life, which is great. And I do take those moments to appreciate it and understand how very, very privileged I am to have the opportunity to live here. But sometimes it does just feel like, oh, this is my normal life now when that's not the reality for so many people. But going back to your point of how has it changed me and how has the city changed? Unfortunately, COVID definitely took a toll on the city and certain things aren't the same right now. I used to be brave as hell and take the subway at all hours of the night. Mom and dad don't listen to this, but you know, I just didn't have a care in the world. I thought I was invincible in this city. It's definitely a mix of both me just, I think, becoming an adult, unfortunately, and realizing like, oh, I should know my boundaries, like whatever. Um, And also the city has changed a little bit because of the pandemic um, and just changes in politicians and all that, which we won't get into. But how it's changed me is I immediately got so much more independent the second I moved here. You have to have tough skin in the city. There's no way around it. You have to be independent. You have to be okay taking the train 40 blocks uptown by yourself, which sounds like no big deal now. But as an 18-year-old fresh out of college was mind-blowing to me. And I think just being comfortable in yourself is so important here because If you don't have confidence in yourself and if you aren't strong-willed and know your place and your reason of why you're here, people are going to stomp all over you. And that's not just related to how fast people walk here, but (laughs) people are here with a purpose. And I think if you're going to live here, you have to have a strong understanding of what your purpose is. So I think I definitely grew up way faster than let's say my friends that 
went to a state school and went to frat parties. A little different. I that was a hundred percent a dig at me. No, no, no. Actually, it wasn't. <laughs> um, I a lot of my friends from college went to frat parties and were in sororities. Sorority life just isn't for me. Sorry to anybody that I just offended, but it just was very different. You grew up in a very different environment. I mean, you're going to a club in Manhattan on a Friday night, not going to a sports party with other college kids. So you just grow up differently. And I think you find your independence in that. And that exact reason is why it is not for everybody. I have had so many people come and visit and they're like, oh yeah, this is cool for a trip or vacation. Could never live here. Whereas I can't see myself living anywhere else at this point. I mean, I moved here at 22, 23 years old. Oh, let's enter that story of how we met. Oh, yes. Seems like a fitting point. (laughs) Well, I mean, I was terrified to ride the subway 40 blocks. Mm -hmm. I was terrified. And so, like, doing it at 18, I can't even imagine. So many things are intimidating at the time that now you look back and you're like, oh, that was dumb. So dumb. And, like... The idea of getting lost on the subway system was oh, like, yes. the scariest thing. And I get lost like every day. Yeah. That's an exaggeration. But like it's not it's not a big deal. You just you just gotta find you your way around. It's one of the charms of New York. I also learned, oh my god, my entire family or high school friends can attest to this. I have the worst sense of direction. Like, can get lost going to the gas station in my hometown that I've lived in for 18 years, bad at directions. But in New York City, I am the ultimate tour guide. I know north, south, east, west, like the back of my hand, which is something people would never expect me to know. I love that it's a grid. That's one of my favorite things about the city. It's so easy to get everywhere in Manhattan. So easy. And it is pronounced Houston. Correct. Not Houston. And I am through and through a Texan born and raised. And it took me like a full year to be okay with saying (laughs) Houston over Houston. So yes, I do say it. But going back to how Alyssa and I met. So Alyssa and I actually met while we were interns at the same company. We sat next to each other at the table the very first day. And we honestly... Hit it off. Yeah, totally. We were like, oh, vibing. This girl seems chill. We have the same energy. Loved it. And we got done early on the first day. I was like, I'm going to go home and change. And Alyssa was like, cool, we're going to go to these bars. Mind you, interjection, this was my third year living in the city, right? Like, this was the summer after junior year. So I was ready. This was my area. I was in East Village. I knew all my spots. I was ready to go. So it's a very important point because this was like... My third day in New York City. (laughs) And I had gotten lost on the subway the day before and had like a crying meltdown on the stoop of this brownstone, crying into my pizza because I did, my phone had died and I had no idea how I was going to get home. So I was terrified and had Alyssa as like this, we're, we're getting it. Absolutely. So part of me was like, absolutely. I can a hundred percent like get on board with this. But then I got home. And was like terrified. So Alyssa texted me being like, we are at the Mr. Purple, this <laughs> rooftop right here, right now, come through. Well, my very timid at the time, and I'm not timid, but I just, I, I didn't make it. Long story short, I didn't make it. And Alyssa wrote me off. It was really a test. Anybody that didn't come through that first day, they made it known that they were not going to be part of the, like, we're going to go to these bars. We're going to enjoy our summer. Like, we are 20 living in New York City for the summer. We're going to make most of it. And my vibe was, okay, Anissa's not going to be part of that. Cool. Next. <laughs> so, for an entire 10 weeks over the summer, Alyssa and I did not say another word to each other. <laughs> and we just 
never spoke about it again. So fast forward an entire year later, we both accepted full-time offers where we interned. And our friend, Julius, <laughs> came up and was like, hey, so you want to go to lunch? And I was like, yeah, sure. Little did I know. Alyssa was also coming to the lunch. So we went to a restaurant called Rosie's, which I have not been back to since that day. We have to go back. It absolutely has always been and still is to this day one of my favorite restaurants. Ugh, love it. It was essentially an interview. It was essentially <laughs> a friend interview. I sat on one side of the table. Julius and Alyssa sat on the other end of the table. And they essentially interviewed me to see if I was cool enough to be a part of their friend group. Oh, my God. Okay, so it, for clarification, it was not, is she cool enough? It was, are we on the same wavelength now? Like, we've had a year. We've grown up a little. I've probably calmed down a little bit. Anita's probably, like, gotten a little more comfortable. So, like, are we on the same wavelength? Not a, is she cool enough checkbox? Come on. We're not middle school, like, mean girls. It was a, are we on the same page? And we were. The rest is history. And here we are, living in the same building. Yes, the rest is a history. But it was just a... It's one of our favorite stories to tell people when we meet them. Because we're so close now that it's like, (laughs) not always. No, no, not always at all. It's just, wow. Yeah, that that story brings me so much warmth. But something I want to touch on that you said was that like to be in the city you have to be so sure of who you are something I've always envied about you is your ability to show up in any room you're in exactly as you are <laughs> badass kind but most importantly unapologetically you oh so have you always been that way is that something that New York taught you because you had to be that way to live here in the city because I feel like it's not easy it's not I definitely am not 100% confident in myself at all times. So I love that you think that. And I'm glad that I have that persona. I am confident in who I am. I have really found myself over the past eight years here. Um, high school movie was probably very different. Did I really struggle? Not really. I was on the dance team. I played tennis. I was friends with majority of my class. I knew everybody. I was in AP classes, so I was a nerd. But on the other hand, I like knew the ASB kids. So... I have always had a robust social circle, which I think in itself built confidence. And then honestly, now in like networking situations or meeting new people, I get that from my dad. I'm not even going to like play it off like that's me. He has always entered a room and just commanded attention. And me and him are very similar. So he can talk to a wall, which growing up, I hated. I used to give him so much shit for it. I still do because I was embarrassed. I was like, oh my God, why are you talking to these people? Like we're standing in line. He'll do it on the subway here, which still gets me. I'm like, no, no, no. People have their headphones in. They don't want to talk. But I realized more and more, I took that trait from him too. I can now also talk to a wall. And in the grand scheme of things, I think it's the best trait because I don't get nervous going into social situations. I pretty much know that I can make friends with or at least have a good conversation with just about anybody. I think that, yes, comes from confidence, but I think it also just comes from practice, right? Like, it's like studying for any test. If you don't try it over and over again, like, you're not going to get good at it. So my first two years here, I probably wasn't that way. Um, My social circle obviously started from square one. I had to grow that and I had to learn what social cues were in New York City. So like not talking on the subway, little things. But I think all that bleeds into, yes, being sure of who I am. 
all of my core values, I think, have always kind of been there. They fluctuate in what stands out, um, maybe from time to time. But I, more than anything else, never want people to think that I'm two-faced or fake or am living a double life or am a different person at work or with my friends, with my parents. I really do think for the most part, I am the same person through and through, no matter who I'm with. And I think that's what gives me a strong personal brand to use my marketing terms. Um, <laughs> you should have seen the hair flip. I did do a hair flip. Oh my God. I hate that I did that. <laughs> oh my God. But yes, I definitely have developed myself over the years and we're always changing. But I think the biggest thing is like confidence, learn that from a young age and just constantly making sure and checking in with myself that I am being the same person no matter who I'm with. I think that is such a brilliant, wonderful, just uh, such a good trait. And like I said, I've always admired it and been slightly envious of it. But I think that my mom is slightly like your dad in the sense of she can, she makes Talk to friends. a wall. Oh, she yeah. She makes friends everywhere. Mother, if you're listening to this, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. I have definitely also adopted it, which I think is like, Part of why you and I bonded is that we could just talk about anything right off the bat. Oh, yeah. And nothing was off limits, which I feel like a lot of people usually have to warm up to topics. So that is definitely talking to walls. If you (laughs) you need to learn, if we need to do a one-on-one class, let us know because you've got two really good. I also realized what I used to give my dad shit for of like making friends everywhere he went. Now I do. So my God, my poor kids, if and when they ever come, I'm going to embarrass them too. And I just have to come to that like realization, but I appreciate you now, dad. (laughs) Then you know what they say? We become our parents. Oh yeah. And it's very clear that I'm my mother too. So I know I talked about my dad a lot in that section just because of talk to a wall, but oh my gosh, my mother And I have become literally the same person at this point. It's ridiculous. Like, oh my God, especially if I'm planning a trip or the way that I have to cook and hostess for everybody. It just comes from such a loving upbringing for my mother that I am now so grateful for. I mean, a lot of my core friend group, I think we grew up in similar situations, which Mm -hmm. is why we probably get along well, but I've met people that aren't. And so when I invite them over and I have a spotless apartment and I have three different appetizers and drinks for everybody. That's not the norm. But my mom just taught me of like, it's probably because our love languages are acts of service. And I love that I got that from her because it's just the easiest way for me to show love. And I know that my mom is always there for me no matter what. And I think I have that same trait for a lot of my friends. Um, so I'm very grateful that I've learned such important things from both of my parents. Mm. Oh, shout out to mom and dad. Thanks, mom and dad. Okay, so now I'm going to ask about your sister because I feel like she's going to listen and be like, Alyssa, you, <laughs> like, I can't believe you didn't mention me. Oh my God. Oh, sis. Again, something that I've learned over the years that I probably took for granted is how close me and my sister are. And I realize that's not the case for everybody. We FaceTime once a week. She gets mad at me if I don't pick up and I get an earful if I don't pick up a couple times in a row. But... We talk all the time and kind of like we just said about us, there's nothing off limits. Um, she really is my best friend. And unfortunately, I know that's not the case for everybody, but I am so, so blessed and grateful that it is for us. I know that no matter what, and there have been times, like when I lost my phone at 4 a.m. and the pouring rain on Halloween and I called my sister, what? And she woke up in bed at 1 a.m. and talked to me, even though she hated me in that moment. 
I know that she'll be there for me no matter what. And I know that I am for her. So again, I grew up with such an amazing family and foundation that I am who I am because of them. And I'm still so grateful for all of those relationships. Ah, wow. A good family moment. Oh, yeah. I love to see it. So now it's time to play a game. Oh, I'm ready. Fun. Drop roll. Ooh, okay. (laughs) So have you heard of We're Not Really Strangers? Yes. But I haven't. I think I, like, played it at a pop-up event or something. Okay, so this is the friendship edition. Cute. So there are three rounds of questions. Mm. The first one is all about perception. Okay. So on how, essentially, I see you. Ooh. And we can play the reverse way if you want to, or we don't have to. And the second is all about connection, so who are you really? Mm -hmm. And the third one is about reflection. Okay. So I'm pretty sure for the first one, you pick a card. Ooh. Okay. Level one, perception. What about my style is undeniably me. This oh, is the easiest one. It is the easiest one. We've already talked about it. Sunglasses in every photo. Alyssa, if she cannot walk outside, doesn't matter if it's summer or winter, the sun is out, it is nighttime, does not matter, is constantly wearing sunglasses and all black. And I am the complete opposite. I have every color in my wardrobe. And even today, we were talking about like an outfit we wanted to wear soon. And I was like, oh, I love this outfit. Look at it. And she was like, there's too much color. <laughs> but uh, then I said, it's so you. Like, it's your vibe. It's awesome. I'm sure it looks amazing. I just, if you look at my closet, it's 90% black. But it's awesome. It's so on brand. And anytime I need to borrow something black, I know exactly <laughs> who to go to. Also, I will never show up in the same black thing. So just for the record, like my outfits might look similar, but it's never the same. No. And like black is just a classic, classy, very New York look. Yeah. And I think that might have been like imprinted on me a little bit too much freshman and sophomore year of like New Yorkers only wear black. Oh my God. Don't wear color. I'm trying to work on that a little bit, but that was totally a, I need to fit in. This weekend, Alyssa wore this adorable, oh my God. like, it was a very, like, 60s-themed, like, psychedelic kind of top, but there was color in it, and I just had, oh, my heart was just like, yes, Alyssa, wear that color. Loved it. Oh, my God. So good. Yeah, she's rolling her eyes at me. Okay, so level one, perception. Easy peasy. Level two is, tell me something that you made you smile today. This. Oh. Like, easiest answer possible. Um. Not that I had a bad day in any way, shape, or form, but like I said at the beginning, I just got off a four-day fast. Like, I was sluggish. I wanted to sleep. I was dizzy. But I knew that we were doing this. And at first, I was like, all right, I got to get myself amped up. And obviously, like, talking to Anissa is the easiest thing ever. Um, I feel like we're just having our normal day-to-day. So, this. I haven't stopped smiling the whole time. Oh, well, so good. Well, since that was an easy one, we'll ask us. Wait, I'm backfiring that one to you. What made me smile Not this, today? In addition to this. <sighs> But it is this. Um, what made me smile today? It's so warm and sunny yes. here in New York. And again, seasonal depression is a real thing. Especially here in New York, not being able to see the sun, being not having a lot of nature around, just being like snowy and stuck in your apartment. And again, apartments here are literally the size of my pinky. So being able to just know that like going outside means so much warmth and joy yes. is something that just literally is making me smile today. Good one. Okay. I like that. But so we're doing level two again because that one is an easy one. And I just like this card. It says, who was your earliest crush and what was <laughs> one thing about them? Oh my God. Okay. Ooh. Well, there's two. 
and I don't actually know which one came first, but one was Channing Tatum. Like, <laughs> can we get any more basic? Saw Magic Mike with my high school friends. Oh my gosh, I was swooning. He's and I essentially a Guido. Oh yeah. And like still to this day. Am I obsessed with him? Yes. The second, Zach Efron, had a poster in my bedroom of Zach Efron. And again, to this day, age like fine wine has followed my taste through the years. So yeah, those are my first two crushes. Oh, well, well, I'm about to call myself out. I think my very first crush ever was Taylor Lautner. Oh, that was a good one too. And um, I'm in the Twilight movie and Katie was sitting next to me. And I tur- I think this was like the moment I understood like my sexuality. <laughs> because I turned to her and I said, Taylor Lautner makes me feel tingly. Oh my God. And I didn't even understand what that meant at that age. Because well, I'm like maybe 12 years old. But wow, first crushes, there's always a soft spot in your oh, heart. Yeah. They never go away. Never. Um, but I think like while it was like, yes, Taylor Lautner in... Twilight, I think it was also like Taylor Lautner, like Sharkboy Lava Girl. Oh, see, I didn't love that Taylor Lautner. It was definitely Twilight for me. No, I don't think I loved it either until I watched it later. And I was like, oh no, the crush definitely started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then. Um, <laughs> amazing. Okay, so level three. Yeah, we can, we can both answer this question. Ooh. But what do you think makes our friendship work? Ooh. I, oh, ooh. Ooh. We've talked about this. There's so many things that we are so polar opposite on. And I think that's part of it is like we give each other very different perspectives on everything. So different. Literally. Yeah. Black Just and white different. The way that we approach anything that comes up in our lives, whether it's like work, friendships, like stress management, we just think of things so differently. And I think the fact that we are able to give each other a different perspective is such a great trait to have in a friend because one, we're not afraid to give each other those deep opinions. Um, I think we're both giggling at that. Um, we were, I think brought up in very similar upbringings. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of common ground too. So while we are so polar opposite on like little things like you hating Nutella or you hating Disney (laughs) in the grand scheme of things, our morals and like, what we value in ourselves and in our futures, I think is very compatible. Yeah, that's what. Ooh, Your turn. Good answer. And well, I think you hit the nail on the head, but I think we also have a lot of grace in our relationship and we have a lot of really open communication in our relationship yeah. and we're not afraid to get angry with each other. Like, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're not afraid to mess up in our friendship. I think that's what makes a relationship so strong is like, not that you have to agree on everything or that you have to see life in the same way, but that when you do come across conflict or there is something that's putting a strain on the relationship that you are able to face the uncomfortableness of it and get to the other side. And I think that's something you and I have mastered in our friendship and it's always a mystery to see how that's going to turn out. (laughs) But especially as an adult, we're navigating so much all of the time. We're navigating learning about ourselves. We're we're navigating New York City. We're navigating dating. We forget sometimes that we have to put effort and navigate our relationships and our friendships too. And I think a lot of people put their relationships on just like auto, like autopilot, and they forget to nurture them. And I think we do a really good job of continuously like nurturing each other and making sure that our relationship stays healthy because of how much we value it. 
Oh, I love that answer. You couldn't see, but I was nodding the entire time at that. Yes, 100% agree. Another great point. Yay. Well, it is tradition at the end of the show to talk about how it's so trendy for us to be detached, especially in New York City. Oh, yeah. Like, you have to, it's like almost like to survive here, you have to be detached to a level. And especially think about me, me, me. Like, I'm hustling. I'm doing this. I'm doing what's best for me. And we forget to tell the people that matter to us what we love about them and, like, that we love them. So, Alyssa. Oh, God, I'm not ready for the gush. uh, Dear, dear Alyssa, where do I even begin? I cannot even call you one of my best friends anymore because you are truly my family. We are built from the same cloth, extra beyond all measures, and damn proud. You, Alyssa, are such a force to be reckoned with. You bring so much life into every room you are in, and we are all lucky to know you. It's hilarious how we first met and have grown from a mutual distaste for each other (laughs) to living in the same building and hanging out almost every day. If it isn't clear by now, I love you. Thank you for being exactly who you are, sunglasses and black wardrobe only, and all. Thank you for sharing your mushy side with me. You are so important in my life, and while I could sit here and list all the ways you show up for all of your friends, you are so much more than what you do for others. And by just being you, you give everyone else around you more confidence to be themselves too. And that, my friend, is the best quality of all. I love you. I need that. Oh! so cute! I love you too. Oh, wow. Words of affirmation from Alyssa! I know. I know. For those who don't know, this is a big, big moment. So... <laughs> Thank you guys all for listening. Don't forget to follow Guido, the Italian underscore, the Italian Frenchie on Instagram and Frenchies at the Upper East Side. Meetups happen every other week. So if you have a Frenchie in the city, please come join. Please follow the page. And thanks, Alyssa, for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, Needs. This was so fun. Yay. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to Known in New York. Follow us on Instagram at known underscore in New York. I'm your host, Anita Martins, and I'll catch you next time in New York or somewhere else.